0: I broke you from it. I broke you. No, it's just we had a bit of gap between recording and my good days have been rusty. The release of them haven't been broken up. We haven't recorded a podcast together in a long time. Yeah, it's
1: been weird. It's been weird. It's been weird not to come to Zane's house and sit here and talk about horrible, horrible
0: things. But we're still reading and researching about horrible, horrible things when we're not talking about them. Correct. It was not a vacation from horrible things. It was just a vacation from each other.
1: Yeah, that's insanely true. Ellen, how have you been? Have you been good? I'm okay. I'm a bit
0: sick. So I have a bit of like gravelly, sexy voice going on. What's what's the thing from Friends? I hate that show. What? I know no things from Friends. I don't like Friends.
1: Did I know this?
0: Apparently not. (laughs) Oh my God. How can you hate friends? Well, I hate it because it sucks <laughs> and it's not funny or entertaining. <laughs> oh, my
1: God, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. You've been my best friend for, like, 12 years and I didn't know that you
0: didn't like friends. I, I actively dislike it and I Why? feel judgment to Hell? people who are, are obsessed you with it. Are dead inside? No, I just have, like, a good sense of humor. Oh,
1: my God. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Well, just so that everybody's clued in. I've had a rough couple weeks, so and of course it's been my
0: turn to do the murder. So yay. Jess is on Struggle Street. So the, the crying might be more present than usual. I've look, I'm on the crying scale at the moment. I am deliriously
1: tired as well because work and social life and other things. So busy very very busy but um we're going to do our best um so tonight and i've realized about myself with majority of the crimes that i pick to present on this podcast i pick ones that are unsolved and it turns out
0: i don't like unsolved murders which is crazy because i love unsolved crimes um i don't like it i want to know the
1: things and I don't like conspiracy theories and oh, I yet love conspiracy I fucking theories. Keep picking this bullshit. Anyway, so tonight I picked to talk about the
0: Wanda Beach murders.
1: Hooray!
0: Yes, this is an Aussie true crime classic.
1: This is our thing. Our thing. So this is uh, a case of unsolved murders of Marianne Schmidt and Christine Sharrick at Wanda Beach near Cronulla in Sydney. Uh, they were both 15 and they were best friends and neighbours in the suburb of West Westride. Um, and they, yeah, were killed. And it is... <laughs> Fuck, I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> it's going to be a struggle. And that's it. Thanks for listening to Murder in the Us. So it Ours.
1: remains one of the most infamous unsolved Australian murder cases of the 1960s, and New South Wales's oldest unsolved homicide case. Oh, interesting. There you go. So. Some bit of backstory. Oh, no. My Word document has gone all Let's keep on chanting and chanting and <laughs> oh, chanting. Filling for time. Filling time. Okay. So, little bit of backstory. So, Marianne Schmidt, uh, she arrived in 1958 with her parents and her five brothers and sisters. Um, they were German as the name states, mm. and they were pretty war-weary, they were described as, as a like, lot of Germans uh, were. Yeah, I mean, as a lot fair. of people were. We were all a bit weary from the war. Yes, it was I a personally time. had a very rough go
0: <laughs> during World War Two. I was very tired. Oh, 1943 was not a good time for me. No. Um, well, you think I'm teary today? You should have seen, seen
1: me back then. You should have seen me back then. Um, and, of course, there was, a, like, an influx of German migrants. Um, so Marianne and her family lived in migrant camps after they moved to Australia. So they lived there for a few years, and then they moved into a suburban home in Brush Road, Ride in Sydney's northwest. Um, and, unfortunately, Marianne's father, whose name was Helmut, died of of Hodgkinson's disease, Um and Marianne's mother, Elizabeth, struggled to care for her family, so uh, Marianne had to take a pretty big role in looking after her many, many brothers and sisters. I say many, many because I'm an only child, and five brothers and sisters sounds like that's a, a lot. lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of food. It's a lot of sharing. I don't do sharing. Um. <laughs> so, um. Uh, the neighbours around the Schmidt family didn't really make much of an effort to get to know them, uh, but Marianne became quick friends with Christine Sharrock, who was her own age. Um, they were typical teenagers hanging around all the time. Um, the summer of 64 and 65, they loved going to the beach and the surf culture. Uh, Cronulla Beach was the most accessible because of the train line, so they would get on the train, transfer at Redfern, and then on to Cronulla. Uh, so... At the time of the murders, Marianne's mother was recovering in hospital. So Marianne and Christine would, you know, they had to like keep all these kids occupied. So they're like, fuck it, let's go
0: to the beach. Let's go to the fucking beach. Basically the only thing to do in Australia before TVs were commonplace.
1: Pretty much. So um, Marianne and Christine decided that they're going to take... Uh, Marianne's four younger siblings to the beach. So we've got Peter, who's ten. Trixie, I love that name. Mm, same nine. Wolfgang, cool. Seven,
0: and Norbert, who was five, and clearly the least loved <laughs> five children because <laughs> his name was Wolfgang, and then Norbert. Norbert. Poor
1: Norby. <laughs> Norby. Um, Christine had said that she wanted to go to the sand hills at Wanda, um, which was. Known for its illicit activities, lots of people nice. having sex and being nude and doing things that people weren't stoked about, you know. And This is where she wanted to go with the children? Uh, not with the children, but she wanted to go she to the She wanted to hotels. go there, right. Yeah. So Christine had discussed this with her grandmother, but her grandmother discouraged her because um, – you know, it, the walk from the beach to the sand hills was quite rocky and it was very windy and the weather was a bit meh, 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 meh. So she was like, Look, you got four kids to look after. Maybe don't. Like just hang out in the shallow end, like do what you gotta do and then the like, come shallow home. end of the ocean? Like the not the shallow <laughs> end, the fucking shore. The shore, right? Don't push me. <laughs> Not today, Satan. This is just like
0: just not knowing anything about the outdoors all over again.
1: <laughs> okay. So um, they had the four kids in their care. So the girls at some point may have met somebody on a previous trip and that's maybe why Christine had like she was so set on going to the sandhills. She's like got to go. But um, friends of Christine who described her as like a goody two-shoes and a good girl that she wouldn't have done that. And she wouldn't have been planning to meet anybody. Um, Elizabeth Schmidt, uh, Marianne's mother who was in hospital, had discouraged the girls from talking to strangers and definitely not accepting lifts and things. So, January eleventh, nineteen sixty-five, uh, Christine Sharak and Marianne Schmidt visited the beach at Cronulla, which was a popular business, uh, picnic spot for the Schmidt's. Um, the day before, Christine and Marianne had accompanied uh uh the, the four younger kids um set off on the train. But uh, the weather was like no 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 so the beach was closed. Um, so then January eleventh they set off to the beach again. Um, they walked to the southern end of the end of, end of the beach and they sheltered among the rocks. And the siblings were hanging around. Uh, Wolfgang, who was seven, wanted to go swimming, so Marianne went with him. And on their return, they had their picnic. So at some point during this, uh, Christine Sharrick had gone off her, on her own, but there's no evidence to say where she was. After her death, it was discovered she had consumed alcohol and different food in her system than the other guys had, um, than uh, Marianne had, sorry. No autopsies on the children because the children don't die, thank God. <laughs> um, so it was, ex- it, it was suspected that during this, when she was alone, that this was when she consumed the extra food and the alcohol So it was then when Christine had gone off on her own that Wolfgang had noticed a teenage boy hunting crabs. Um, Later on, Wolfgang claimed to have seen the boy twice, once with Marianne and Christine and the other time he was walking alone. So because of the age of Wolfgang, he's one of like the main witnesses during this whole thing mm -hmm. and because of how young he is. I was just about to say like. It's, I mean, kids are, and you know, we've talked about this before, like coercion. Accidental coercion when you're getting some when you're getting a confession out of somebody, yeah, even when you a witness, leading the witness, a, leading and, kind the witness kind of, yeah. and being like, "Did you see the boy? Did you see yeah. him with Did Christine? Him with, yeah, Mary and it's Anne. like he's like, oh, of course he want to make the policeman happy, so he's gonna, you know, so a lot of um, Wolfgang's testimony has been kind of questioned,
0: questioned, over the questioned the years. and thrown yeah. out
1: over the years because of his age. Um, so and his testimony kept on changing. Um, suggesting that the uh, the youth, as he's described as, um, had like a homemade spear gun or a fishing knife or both. Um, so Christine then returned to the group and then they decided to walk to the sand hills behind Wonder Beach. So at around 1 p.m. they'd reached a point around 400 metres beyond the surf club and they stopped to take the shelter because the young kids were complaining about the conditions. It was windy, the mm-hmm. sand. Dudes, I get it. I
0: fucking hate the beach. Um, so. Remember the one time that you and I went to the beach together? Yeah, but I remember actually having a good time with you. Yeah, you complained the entire way there though. (laughs) Because the train was delayed and you were like, I don't even understand why we're going to the beach in the first place. And I was like, because we thought it would be a fun activity. I also remember you saying on that train trip, by the amount of time that we were on
1: that train, you were like, I could have gotten from one end of England to the other by now.
0: We we were was the, it was delayed for a very long time. We were time. on
1: that train for like several hours. Yeah.
0: Yes, we were. I stand by that. Okay. I, I righty. I'm validating you now. Yeah, good. Busy. <laughs> so busy.
1: All right. So Marianne had told her young siblings that her and Christine were going to go to return to the rocky part of the beach where they'd left their bags because 1965 and you leave your shit everywhere and no one's going to steal it. going to steal it. Guess what? That doesn't happen now. You put something down behind you, someone's going to come up
0: and fucking steal it. Having said that, I still leave my stuff on the beach all the time. If I go to the beach, I just leave it all there. Nah. I hope for the best. Busy. So busy. I don't. I don't understand what busy means in this <laughs> busy, context. Okay. I'm a very old person. Uh, busy, okay. Look, it's going to come up
1: in this podcast many, many times. But busy, okay. Just like
0: you're done with it. Like you, you don't need it. Because you're busy? Because like Because you've, busy got you've got things going on? Because you've got things going on. You're busy. Okay, fine. I can. I can get behind that. That's my new word. I'm going to. Because I'll- guess
1: what? I am too busy for this shit. Okay. Too busy. Too busy for what the last two weeks have been like. Too busy. I'm slightly afraid of you right now. <laughs> busy. Anyway, so uh, so they were going to go back to the rocky part of the beach and get their bags, but they started walking off in the wrong direction. And Marianne's brother Peter was like, hey, um, you're going the wrong way. And they just giggled at him and they kept on walking. So – the kids
0: waited on the beach for four hours. Oh my God, that's longer than when we were on the train when we were going to the Gold <sighs> Coast. <sighs> <sighs> okay. okay, so they waited on the beach, that's a long time. Yeah. And the girls never came back.
1: And, like, considering the youngest kid was five.
0: Yeah. So they
1: waited on the beach for four hours and then they went to go to get their bags that the girls hadn't gone to get and they returned on the last train home. Mm -hmm. So they arrived home at 8 o'clock. So they had been waiting on that beach since 1 p.m. and they got home at 8 and um, they obviously told, um, because like Marianne's brothers, two older brothers were there um, and Christine Sharrick's grandparents who she was living with next door to the Schmidt's. And by eight thirty PM, the girls were reported missing. That's so quite speedy. They, you know, vanished for all intents and purposes, which is scary. Like, I, I can't. Like, I, I, I mean, you know, they found out the fate of these girls quite quick. We're going to mm. get to that in a second. But like, imagine you're literally going to the beach with somebody. They're like, "I'm just going to get an ice cream," and then they don't come back mm. without a trace. <gasps> Not busy, indeed. All right. No, this guess is serious, but now. Okay, so Tuesday the 12th of January, uh, Peter Smith was walking along the Sandhills with his two nephews when they came across what they thought was a store mannequin buried in it's the sand. Se- it's a never a mannequin. It's never a fucking mannequin.
0: It's never a mannequin. You will never see a mannequin not
1: in a store. That's literally the name of a My Favourite Murder episode, Never a Mannequin.
0: It literally never it's is a mannequin. Never is
1: never is a mannequin. Um, So, oh, God. So Peter Smith brushed some sand away and then realized that it was a body. So then he ran to the nearby surf club. Um, at that point, Smith had only thought that he'd there was one body because of sand and wind and all that shit. So Marianne was found lying on her right side with her left leg bent and Christine Sharak was found face down, her head against the sole of Marianne's left foot. From a 34-metre drag mark leading to the scene, police determined that Christine Sharrick had fled, possibly when Marianne was dying, only to be caught, incapacitated, and dragged back to the body of her friend.
0: No, thank you. No,
1: thanks. Busy. So um, Christine Sharrick's skull had been fractured by a blow to the back of the head and had been stabbed multiple times. Uh, Marianne Schmidt's throat had been slashed and had been stabbed several times. Their, um, Clothes had been cut and attempts had been made to rape both of the girls. Yikes. Big yikes. Motherfucker. So there was an intensive search for the murder weapon. Tons of sand from around the murder scene was sifted through. Various items were found, including a blood-stained knife that unfortunately couldn't be linked to the murder.
0: Oh, my God. How many blood-stained knives can there be in one beach? Well, I think it came up that
1: it wasn't human blood or something. Oh, okay. Um, The autopsy, so I mentioned before about the Alcohol in Christine Sharak. So the autopsy on Christine Sharrock showed her blood alcohol content of 0.015. So the legal limit is 0.05. Right. I had Ben, pardon, to drive. As Ben Linsky shouted that at me the other day, because I was like, what? 0.015? Is that a lot of alcohol or not a lot of alcohol? And Ben's like, it's not a lot of alcohol. It's great. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Ben. That's what we call him now, by the way. Ben. <laughs> Which I think is quite funny. (laughs) Um, So um, no alcohol was found in um, Marion Schmidt's autopsy. So there was semen that was found on both of the girls, but both of their hymens were still intact. Oh, I hate that word. Mm -hmm. Oh, it makes me want to curl up inside myself. Um, the last official sighting of Schmidt and Sharrack was by a local fireman, Dennis Dostein, who was walking with his son and saw the girls about seven hundred and thirty meters north of the surf club. So it seems like all this stuff is like centered around the, the surf, surf club. club. everybody's just gone by where the surf club is. Um, and he told the police that they seemed to be hurrying, and one of the girls kept on looking behind them as if they were being followed, but they couldn't there wasn't anybody there. Um so there were a number of people in the area who weren't identified because the Sandhills were known as like a place for illicit activities. There were Mm. a lot of people that were in the area that never came forward, which really frustrated police because, you know, they could have seen seen something and it was because they felt ashamed of like what they were doing. So unfortunately Sydney was still a conservative city. I mean, it is still now, I guess. I mean, there was like the, is it?
0: I think so. I think it's pretty safe to say that most of Australia is quite conservative. It's still pretty conservative.
1: Um, was a conservative city in 1965, but Wonder Beach attracted, like, a wide range of people. Um, so both of the girls' funerals were held on the 20th of January, 1965. There was a £10,000 reward, later converted to $20,000 in 1968, which stood unchanged as of August 2002. Uh, wow. April 1966, the coroner handed down his report. By that time, police had interviewed 7,000 people making it the largest investigation in Australian history.
0: Oh, my God.
1: All right. So this case remains unsolved. So we're going to run through some suspects. So I'm mainly going to focus on one particular suspect, but I'm going to run through two others as well. So former detective, uh, Detective Johnson, on the case was given a painting by Alan Bassett. So Bassett had been jailed for murdering Carolyn Orflin and he'd um, painted this painting and in the painting there were blood trails, a broken knife, a blade and the body of a victim. And Johnson thought in the painting he had depicted Wanda Beach. It doesn't look like Wanda Beach. I don't know where he's gotten this idea from, but he's like, this guy, this guy's good
0: for it. I feel like that seems like a pretty common subject for a murderer to paint. Exactly. Like, that's just what's going on in his mind. And surprisingly, Johnson was alone in his belief in thinking that this guy <laughs> whoa, did Really? It. That didn't crack the case wide open? Somebody <laughs> handed him a painting and he was like, whoa, take him away, boys. And Alan Bassett actually voluntarily
1: gave a DNA sample, but the results of the DNA test haven't been made public. Um, then in 1998, Derek Percy was named as a suspect. He had been imprisoned since 1969 for the murder of a child on a beach in Victoria. Percy was considered to be too dangerous to be released and is the prime suspect for other murders of children in Melbourne and Sydney. And by Sydney, I've written city. <laughs> I forgot the N. Good. Okay. So he was considered a leading suspect for the murders on Wonder Beach. Percy could be linked to the location on the date of the murders, but there were no other links found, Mm. unfortunately.
0: Do we know anything about, like, the age of the victim that he was? It was a child. Like, yeah, so obviously younger than 15. Yeah. And a boy or a girl? Uh, I think it was a girl. Mm. I think it
1: was a girl. Um, I'll check back on that. Um, And it was hoped that he would make – he got – He became sick with cancer, so there was hope that he would, you know, make a deathbed Deathbed confession
0: confession to Wanda, but he didn't, unfortunately. I feel like deathbed confessions don't happen. I can't think of any.
1: I can't think of any, like, person who's killed somebody and has lived with it for that long Mm -hmm. not telling anybody for him to suddenly be dying to be like, oh, by the way, you know, that shitty thing that I did that I told no one about? Here it is. Especially if you've already killed somebody. Yeah. I feel like you're too far gone. All right. The big one. The big one. Christopher Bernard Wilder. This fucker. So I'm going to go into Christopher Bernard Wilder. I know I'm not going to – I'm just going to talk about it because I have found this very interesting to look into. So Christopher Bernard Wilder is a dual Australian citizen and American citizen abducted and raped at least 12 women, killing nine of them during a six-week crime spree in early 1984. He lived in Australia from birth until 1969 and was residing in the Northern Beaches at the time of the murders. So it would put him at about 16 to 19 by mm-hmm. the time of Wanda. Mm-hmm. Police files from the 60s officially name him as a suspect. Great. Yeah. So Di Ian Watterson believes a Wilder to be the number one suspect for Wilder. Yeah, Wonder.
0: well that that tracks better than a painting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so in 1962 to
1: 1960, uh, 1962 1963, he pled guilty to a gang rape at a Sydney beach and was sentenced to probation during which he received. Um, he raped somebody on a beach. Yep. Well, there you go. Take him away, boys. Take him away, book him, boys. Cuff, no, what is it? Cuff 'em boys. Cuff him, boys. <laughs> Um. So he was sentenced to probation and during which he received ECT treatment. Oh, no. Electrocurrent therapy? Electrocharge therapy. And that, apparently, there's evidence that this treatment actually aggravated his violent and sexual tendencies. You're telling me shocking people with electricity is bad for them? What? So Wilder was married in 1968. His wife left him after one week because of his violent nature, and she went to the police about it. Oh, my God. Yeah. So the police took eight months to follow up on the lead because the wife went to him and went to the police and was like, hey, this guy's pretty shitty. Um, you better look into him. Yeah. It took the police eight months to follow up on the lead, and they missed the opportunity to interview Wilder because he relocated to America in 1969. Wow. Mate. All right. So he was successful in real estate and was living in an upscale home in Miami, of course, because he's a fucking loser.
0: Yeah, fuck people from Miami.
1: <laughs> I didn't mean that. <laughs> um, and he developed, of course, like the true gross person he is. Um, no, I'm sorry. I'm
0: so sorry. I'm so sorry.
1: What? Um, he. De- <laughs> I was going to say something really rude. Uh, He developed an interest in photography. (laughs) What? (laughs) Because I said like a true gross person, he developed an interest in photography.
0: (laughs) I mean, I can't think of one person that I know that's a photographer that isn't awful.
1: (laughs) I'm so sorry to the people that do photography. And also the people of
0: Miami. (laughs) I'm so
1: sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, this is such a mess tonight. I'm so sorry. Okay. So from 1971 to 1975, he faced various charges related to sexual misconduct. He raped a young woman he had lured into his truck on the pretense of photographing her for a modeling contract.
0: Oh, my God. Later,
1: this um, is his, uh, modus operandi or MO during his later rape and murder spree. Mm-hmm. And he was never jailed for any of these crimes.
0: The first episode of Law and Order where they like introduce dun, all down, those down
1: <laughs> I was talking actually about um my new friend at David Jones where I've been working. Lol. Well, um, this guy. We <laughs> stop <laughs>
0: revealing personal information. Didn't say which David Jones. It could be anyone. There's like four in Brisbane. Um,
1: no, there's not. Never mind. Um, so I was my new
0: friend Jacob was talking. <laughs> Don't name him. I'm not. His name's Jacob. There's many Jacobs. I wonder how many work at. They're going to find out who you are, Jess. <laughs> they're going to find you and get you. Whoever murdered those Wanda Beach girls is going to come to you. Be like, hey, heard you were talking shit about people from Miami.
1: <laughs> it's all right. He died. All right.
0: Spoilers. Jesus.
1: <laughs> anyway, so I was talking to Jacob today. We were talking about um, Lord Law and, and Order. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we broke out at the same time the, um, the theme tune. <singing> so good. Classic. Um, so uh, while visiting his parents in Australia in 1982, so he came back. Um, Wilder was charged with sexual offences against two 15-year-old girls. So I watched this Sunday night thing where they were mm-hmm. talking about Christopher mm-hmm. Wilder and they actually interview another girl that he snatched and was like, hey, you're gorgeous, you should be a model and like driving her around all day, like making her um, like help him lure like other girls into doing this thing. Whoa. And then he fucked off. Yeah, like like she was just left all alone. Like she was on her way to work, and this guy was like, "Hey, you're hot. You want to be a model? Busy? Just don't." When people say that, don't don't believe them. No, it's not. You're beautiful. Just know that whoever's listening to this, you're lovely looking. I'm sure you are. But when
0: some random some guy's like rolling down his car window, telling you that,
1: "Yo, girl, you should be a model." You know what? You say busy. Or you say something else
0: that makes more sense. Like, please leave me alone. (laughs) I'm busy. (laughs) I feel like I'm busy works. I mean, it could work, but like. I'm busy. (laughs) Oh, my God. My
1: hip just cracked so loudly. Did you just hear that? Yeah, I did.
0: (laughs) I wasn't going to say anything about it. (laughs) That's how old I am. This is a train wreck. This is such a train wreck of an episode. I'm so
1: sorry. <laughs> so, he had tried to lure this poor girl, and then um a few days later he um got these other two girls and it's awful. Um and so he forced them to pose nude. He um he did all the stuff, but his father posted his bail, which allowed him to return to the US. What? And the court delays of this case prevented it from ever being
0: heard. And we'll go into why in a bit. You can, f- wait, you can fly to America on bail? He was a dual citizen. Oh, my God. He was a dual citizen. That so he's his- like a
1: flaw in the legal system. So his dad posted his bail and he was like, see you never. Bye. Fuck it. Anyway, so, um, okay, so he's gone back to the U.S. He's got a successful career um, they interviewed two of his neighbours on the Sunday night show. I actually really recommend everybody to watch that Sunday night thing because it was very informative. Mm-hmm. Um, link in the show notes. Link in the show notes. Um, not, not a lot of information about Christine and Marianne because obviously there isn't any real evidence to link this guy to the murder. But um, good context as to why he is a suspect and why he's such a prominent su- suspect. Okay, so he's, like, rich. He's living the fucking high life. And then we get to 1984. So we're at February 26, 1984, and Rosario Gonzalez was last seen. Wilder's, uh, then Wilder's former girlfriend, who was a Miss Florida finalist, Elizabeth Kenyon, went missing. How is he pulling these people? Neither of these women were ever found. Oh, my God. March 18, Wilder led Teresa Waltz Ferguson away from Merritt Square Mall and murdered and dumped her body, which was found on March 23rd. Wilder's next attempted victim was 19-year-old Linda. Oh, my gosh. I don't have her last name. I'll find it. Uh, Linda, who he um, abducted from Tallahassee, Florida, and transported her to Bainbridge, Georgia on March 20. She had declined his offer to be photographed, for a modeling agency, but then he assaulted her in, a, in the car park of a mall. Uh, Wilder – oh, Linda Grover, that's her name. Linda tied Lin, um, – Walter Wilder tied Linda's hands, wrapped her in a blanket, and put her in the trunk of his car. Linda was then taken to a motel where she was raped repeatedly. Wilder – this is fucked up. Wilder blinded her with super glue and a hairdryer. What? Like he glued her fucking eyes shut.
0: Um, busy. Busy,
1: like I honestly, my eyes have never itched
0: more. Yeah, mine are like watering a little bit yeah, right they now. Are. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, I'm incredibly not. empathetic as a person. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he applied copper wires to her feet and passed an electric current through them.
0: Oh, because what that worked out so well for lunatic. him. What a lunatic!
1: Fucking lunatic! Um, he beat her as she tried to escape, and but then she locked herself in a bathroom, and she was like banging on the door so fucking loudly that he ran away because he's a coward. Fucking anyway, March twenty first. So, literally, he transported Linda Grover on the twentieth, March twenty first. Like this guy is getting, like he's on what's that thing that they talk about? Like he's he's on a spree because yeah. like he's. He's got so much shit to do. Um, so March 21st, pardon? Manic. He's manic. That's it. That's it. That's that word. Thanks, um, podcast producer Zane. So March 21st, Wilder approached Terry Walden, a 23-year-old wife and mother, about posing as a model for him. She said no, and she went missing on March 23rd, two days later. Wilder stabbed her to death and dumped her body in a canal where it was found on March 26th. After killing Terry Walden, Christopher Wilder fled in her Mercury Cougar car. March twenty fifth, Wilder abducted twenty one year old Susan Logan from a mall in Oklahoma City. Then
0: all over the damn shop, also like this is all over America.
1: Then he took her over one hundred and eighty miles, which I converted to two hundred and eighty nine kilometers. Jesus, to Newton, Kansas, and he checked into a room. He checked into room thirty of the I thirty five Inn. After breakfast. Um, Most important meal of the day. you got to keep your energy up. He transferred her to Milford Reservoir where he stabbed her to death and dumped her body under a cedar tree. March 29th, Wilder took 18-year-old Cheryl Bonaventura captive in Grand Junction, Colorado. On March 30th, they were seen at the Four Corners Monument and then they checked into the Page Boy Motel. Wilder shot and stabbed Cheryl near the Kanab River in Utah, her body not being found until May 3rd. Wilder killed 17-year-old Mushel Kaufman, an inspiring model who disappeared from a 17-magazine modeling competition in Vegas. There's literally a photograph taken of him stalking at the modeling competition. Like, you can see him. Also, what's really fucked up is that there's footage in the Sunday night documentary of Wilder on those, you know, those dating things where they do videotapes. And he's like, I just really want a connection. It's like, you're a fucking weirdo. Go away. Busy. Okay. So, uh, Michelle's body – I bet you it's Michelle, not Mushel, because I'm an idiot. Um, Her body was undiscovered um, near a southern, uh, southern California restaurant until May 11th and was not identified until mid-June through dental x-rays.
0: Oh, my God. Wilder
1: photographed uh, 16-year-old Tina Marie R- Risico before abducting and driving her to El Centro where he proceeded to assault her. Um, Wilder apparently thought that Risico, Risico, I should say, uh, would be of use to him to get other victims, so he kept her alive as he traveled through Prescott, Arizona, Joplin, Missouri, and Chicago. Wilder and Risico went to Maryville, Indiana, where Risico helped him abduct 16-year-old Dornette Wilt at the Southlake Mall. Christopher Wilder raped Dornette Wilt with Tina Risico driving to New York. Risico driving to New York. So near Penn Yan, Wilder took Dornette into the woods and attempted to suffocate her before stabbing her twice and leaving her there. Dornette Wilt, being the motherfucking badass that she is, tied a pair of jeans around herself. She got away. Oh,
0: my God. And got
1: driven to a hospital by a truck driver. Hero.
0: Hero. Hero. Legend. Legend. Hero. Right? Amazing.
1: Right? Incredible. So Wilt was able to tell Yan release Yan uh, police that Wilder was heading to Canada. So at Eastview Mall in New York, Wilder forced 33-year-old Beth Dodge into his car and got Tina Resico to follow behind in Beth Dodge's car. After a short drive, Wilder shot Dodge and dumped her body in a gravel pit. Fucking asshole. Uh, Wilder and Rosico then drove to Logan Airport in Boston, where Wilder bought Rosico a plane ticket to Los Angeles, back home, because he didn't want her to see him die. Ellen's not making any noises; she's just making a lot of hand gestures and just making a lot of what? what the fuck, right?
0: I can't follow the logic there. I'll be honest with you.
1: All right, so then we're up to April thirteenth. So Wilder was noticed by two New Hampshire state troopers and when he was approached, he retreated to his car. Trooper Jellison, which was one of the state troopers, was able to grab Wilder from behind and in the scuffle, two shots were fired. Wilder received the first shot and it exited through his back and went into Trooper Jellison and Trooper Jellison survived. Thank God. Wilder died. Woohoo. Thank We are popping bottles. Thank God. So, Wilder was cremated, and his seven million dollar estate was after taxes was divided between the victims' families.
0: Oh good, so what do you think, Ellen? Well, I reckon he he did them Wanda beach murders, jess yeah, me i too. reckon I reckon he did it.
1: I feel like, yeah, and like it obviously sounds like he came from money, mm-hmm, so he felt like he could get away with it, mm mm-hmm. he could do the things and I mean, if he's living on the northern beaches and if he's had that sort of like complete and utter psychotic break and killing
0: so many people he's killed,
1: um, yeah, I think it was him.
0: I reckon. I really reckon it was him. He's definitely a good suspect. Also considering the fact that like the Wanda Beach girls were stabbed, most of his other victims were stabbed. Mm. The fact that, you know, he was 16 to 19 years old. Yeah at the time of Wanda Beach murders and the only person that was seen was a teenage boy, Mm. even though maybe that's not 100% the most accurate testimony, but still I feel like he's a pretty good suspect. Also, like statistically, how many deranged killers could really have been living in the Northern Beaches at that time? Hopefully
1: less than
0: two. Hopefully he was the only one. Preferably zero, but one is, you know. So...
1: um. There's also two possible linked cases to Wanda, mm-hmm. but these are far less well-known. Um, they occurred during early 1966. Um, so this is in the days following the nationally publicized disappearance of the Beaumont children. Oh, we're going to be talking about that, aren't we?
0: Yeah, we are. Yeah, fuck. that. You're taking that. Easy. Good. Not easy. Will be incredibly difficult, but I will do it.
1: So uh, Saturday, uh, 29th of January, 1966, a 56-year-old cleaning lady named Wilhelmina Kruger was killed in the Piccadilly Center on Crown Street in Wollongong. Her her bloodied body was discovered around 5.45 a.m. at the foot of the basement level stairs by a butcher who had arrived for work. Having first been assaulted three floors above, probably around 4.30 a.m., she had been brutally dragged down the escalator stairs. escalators and stairs. She was then strangled, stabbed, mutilated, and was found naked from the chest down. Police also found cigarette burns in her clothing, and blonde hair was found at the scene. In the time prior to the murder, Kruger had become nervous that someone was watching her and had been driven to work by her partner. Similarly, the lights in the car park within the centre had also shown recent signs of tampering and had been tampered with again on the morning of the murder. Considered to be one of the most brutal attacks in history of the state, the case remains unsolved. Police believe that the murder might have been the work of the Wanda Beach killer, but it hasn't been released
0: as to what the link might be between the two. Yeah, because they seem like incredibly different crimes. But
1: look, if there was like one link between two that hasn't been publicised because... It must be a pretty good link. Yeah. Because they do that sometimes. They don't release it so that if something came up in a confession or anything like that, they'd be like, well – that wasn't publicized. So how are you gonna know about
0: that? With Wilder, they have his DNA, right? They would well, have that's his DNA from- and they've
1: still they've still got the swimsuits of Marianne and Christine. Yeah. So
0: there is
1: possibility of further DNA testing because of how far DNA has come mm. over the last little while. There is a possibility for testing and as far as I know, there's they're still investigating it. Um, okay, so then this is another crime. So around midnight on Wednesday, the 16th of February, 1966, a 27 year old shop assistant and prostitute from Bondi named Anna Totsia, Tosca, Tosca, Tosca. Oh, far out.
0: I'm so glad it's not me doing the mispronunciation.
1: Tosca. Oh my gosh, that's such. So Anna. We'll just call her Anna. <laughs> Anna T. Anna T. Anna TD. We're missing after leaving a nightclub in King's Cross. Ten days later, at around 5.30 p.m. on the 26th of January, her semi-naked, strangled, stabbed, and mutilated body was found by a truck driver who had stopped at the side of Old Illawarra Road in Manai to change a tire. Most of her clothes and belongings were missing, and drag evidence showed that her body had been moved to a more visible location around three or four days prior to discovery, which is fucked up. Nah, busy. Police immediately linked her brutal Jack the Ripper-like murder with that of Wilhelmina Kruger. Yeah,
0: they sound quite similar. Yeah,
1: and the investigators from that crime were called in to assist. They believe that the murder might have been the work of the Wanda Beach primarily based on the circ- on circumstantial evidence and MO similarities.
0: I would really love to know what that link is. I think it's the
1: strangulation and the stabbing.
0: But like the, the secret link that they have mm. linking because – those two murders sound very similar. They do. They really And I guess, I mean, I suppose it follows that if, you know, Wanda Beach was linked to that one crime, then the similar crime is therefore also linked by extension. But he didn't
1: so um, mutilate.
0: They weren't mutilated.
1: As I said, like the coroner handed down his report in 1966 Um, The case was reopened in 2007, and in 2012, blood from a possible knife wipe mark found on the clothing of one of the girls was identified as that of a male, but DNA testing could learn nothing more from the sample. Police are optimistic that future improvements in DNA technology will identify the killer. In February 2012, however, um, New South Wales Police's New South Wales Police's cold case unit announced that a weak male DNA sample had been extracted from a pair of jeans worn by one of the girls. While admitting that current technology was unable to provide more information, police were confident that future advances would give more assistance. Uh, July 2014, police said that a semen sample taken from Schmidt's body had been lost and could not be located despite an extensive search. Oh my God, that's so fucking frustrating. Like...
0: The frequency with which that happens, though, I feel like... I- and that's just across the board. Like, that's not even just in cold cases. That's no, in- it's across the board that, like, critical evidence is lost or mishandled somehow. And it's just like, please do your jobs and don't lose evidence. Yeah. Because, you know, it's it's obviously mistakes happen.
1: So for me, it's really easy to forget that these were two 15-year-old girls, which is honestly the most horrific thing. I
0: definitely, like, have been vaguely picturing us at 15. To be honest, that's what I was thinking of.
1: Yeah. Like, us two best friends going out and having a good time and just something so innocent, especially thinking of, like, innocent 1965 where these Mm -hmm. two girls just want to go to the beach. Exactly. It's so easy to make this into an urban legend Mm -hmm. because it happened so long ago that – Fucking hell! This was so brutal. This was so unbelievably, unbelievably brutal. And I hope I want to keep on this and just because I don't. And um, Mamma Mia did a really nice article about this case last mm-hmm. year, and um, just saying that until the day comes of us figuring out what happened to Marianne and Christine, we just need to remember them.
0: A hundred percent.
1: Like her siblings are still alive. Like um. Marian's st- siblings are still alive. Like up until a few years ago, Marianne's mother Elizabeth was still alive, and she just doesn't. She just—they all just want to know what happened. That pain. I mean, look, whether or not if it was Christopher Wilder or not. Yeah, I mean, it seems pretty likely considering the severity of his later crimes. Mm-hmm. I I really wouldn't be too surprised if it was him. No, I'm just hoping that with advances it in DNA, it seems like
0: the kind of case that could easily be like a genealogy DNA case like yeah if all they have is like a weak profile you know do
1: we have the same because with the genealogy testing and stuff like mm-hmm. that is that
0: because of um like weaker laws in the US to be able to get away with stuff like that no it's not illegal it's a public database like you know I think it's GED match that the um American police departments have been using mm. and it's not it's not illegal. I don't know if we have the same I've never tried to do any genealogy research myself so I don't know if we have the same you know different databases I know ancestry.com and 23andme don't hand mm-hmm. um genetic information over to the police but other sites other ones do, do which is how they
1: which is how they got um
0: how they got GSK yeah um but I think it it seems it seems very possible That it could be solved like that if we have the infrastructure in Australia. Because then you don't have to waste, you know, you're not testing and retesting. No. And that's Wanda Beach. I think it's solvable. And I think, you know, I think it's clear that people in Australia do really care about these two girls because it is still something like every so often it comes up again you know, with people saying, here's some new information or, you know, do you know anything? Like every six months to every year or so, a new article gets written about Wanda Beach. And, you know, every podcast in the Southern Hemisphere has covered Wanda Beach. People still talk about the case and people still really care about the case. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think like we've done people imagine themselves as being those 215 year old girls having a day at the beach, you know?
1: And I mean, like, The investigation in this was huge. Huge. But this became a cold case so quickly because it just, it honestly takes one witness. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything to take away from something like this, is that if you notice something weird. Speak up. Like, and, you know, a couple of days later they're like, look, if you were in the area or if you notice something strange, like make sure you go and report it. It takes one person. Sorry, I hit my earrings. It takes one person. Yeah. It takes one person.
0: I wonder if somebody who is doing something licentious down at the beach that day, you know, maybe they'll have a deathbed confession. Maybe they'll say, you know, I was cheating on my husband or I was, you know, doing drugs down at the beach one day and I saw something and I've lived with the shame of not being able to come forward for so long.
1: Oh, it's so sad. These 15-year-old girls. I hate it.
0: <laughs> I think this show is making us more depressed. <laughs>
1: I feel a little bit better now.
0: Okay, good. Probably That's probably just hanging out with you, though. Aw, I'm such a positive influence.
1: <laughs> that was a great uh, episode. I
0: enjoyed every second of that.
1: I'm sorry if that was very short. It's just, no, no, Zayn is shaking we his
0: head. We always think it's short. We always think it's short. And but it yeah, never
1: I th- is. I thought it was important to talk about Christopher Wilder's other victims because I didn't know about it. I didn't know about an Australian serial killer. I
0: vaguely knew about it, but I've only read about it quite recently. And it was like, oh, this American killer has been connected to some Australian cold cases. And I was like, interesting. Moving, Moving on, on. My life. Yeah. But so, now I want to go and read about, you know, his victims Especially as well. like. Because as you said, like, he was darting across the country. Right? Like, that—that that is, the, the scale of that operation is unbelievable. Mm, weirdo. To be able to go at that pace for six weeks without stopping, like, that is just, that is just, I can't think Mania. of anything I have never heard, you know, on that scale. And I would never like to hear about anything on that scale ever again.
1: No, thank you. Cool. Go check yourself into a hospital if you're having feelings like that. Please and thank you. Yes,
0: please, please and thank, thank you. you.
1: Please and thank you. Um. So yeah, that was my episode on Wonder Beach. Yeah. I feel so self-conscious
0: about presenting my episode. It's weird how nervous that makes me feel. I always feel like I'm giving a speech. I feel like I'm gonna disappoint
1: someone. Thank. Also, I just want to say, like the. I need a copy episode. Will by this time will have come out like a month prior. But thank
0: you so much for all the nice comments about my report. Yeah, I love it. I call it a report. I, yes, I'm giving you a a minus on that one, Jess. <laughs> I honestly was stoked because I have never been more nervous about
1: presenting a podcast episode other than this one. Now,
0: mm.
1: no, it was but great. that's because I didn't feel like I did a good job. But you know, never mind. Never mind. Thank you very ni- thank you very much for your nice comments. So Ellen, you're next yes what's your next case?
0: Well, our next episode <clears throat> I'm sorry, I can't speak Our next episode coming out will actually be our Halloween special Halloween
1: I'm spooky, very excited. Spooky. I have
0: been freaking myself out on a nightly basis reading ghost stories and horrible things that have happened and I had to turn on every single light in the house to go to the bathroom the other night. Jesus. <laughs> we have to walk outside to go to the bathroom at my house and I was like, "Alrighty, sorry, other housemates, I'm turning every light on for my safety." <laughs> what do you mean you have to walk outside? Our bathroom is like on the back veranda. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I was like, like an outhouse. Yeah, we have an outhouse. It has a little diamond cut into the front.
1: know. Right. So look forward to Halloween. that.
0: Get spooky with us Get spooky.
1: in
0: a short period of time. Yeah, correct.
1: Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Um, Please make sure you're subscribed. Tell your friends that like to talk about this stuff. I have been telling lots of people because I'm not ashamed to say that I host a true crime podcast. I told many people today at work and I'm going to tell many, many more because I like doing this. It's fun. I get to hang out with my best friend. I get to hang out with my other best friend, Zane. I get to hang out with Fifi and we get to talk about murders. Is
0: Fifi not one of your best friends? She's a cat. (laughs) Rude. She can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she's my boss. You're right. Phoebe's my boss. hundred percent. Okay.
1: Thank you so much for joining. And get on the Facebook. And can you please let us know what cases you would like us to do for Victoria?
0: Yes. Please. Tell I would love us. to do some unknown ones. Yes. If you. If you know any niche cases. Yes. Thank you. Please. Thank you. Please. Busy. Busy. Good night. Bye. Hey, bye. Bye.